Boss! 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 Welcome back to a now post-basketball season at the buzzer. <clears throat> We're the Ralphie Report. We talk about CU stuff as much as we want to. Uh, and I'm Jack, and over there is our other co-host, Sam. Yeah, and we, we didn't want to last week. We had a nice, no. quiet week. I think For we published... a lot of reasons. Yeah, so we could probably breeze on ahead. But <laughs> we're watching... We're, we're recording this while we're watching um, uh, another member of the Pac-12, a team that CU graciously allowed into the tournament, Oregon State, um, flit away their Final Four chance. But they, they did so much better than I thought they did. Um, and we thought this would be a good backdrop to talk about CU... In the end, also uh, in a really hard, tough way, losing their losing their last game of the 2020-2021 season. Yeah. So I'm happy to see you beat Georgetown. We didn't even talk about so that. I was about game. to say, we can back it but, up even further for the half part. But, yeah, so that was a really fun win. Everything was firing. It was a crazy game. Like, Georgetown decided to just not defend CU at all. Um, but we all kind of like everybody at Ralph report, like we, we all said, CU would win that game. A lot of media was hyping Georgetown, but that was only because they wanted Georgetown to win. Yeah. Uh, they, they didn't really have much of a chance basketball wise. We found out. Um, but we were all terrified of Florida state. Yes. And that was because as we saw in that game, they are just a fucking mess of arms and athleticism <laughs> and really just take away everything CU does well. Yeah. And that was so painful. I mean, it was really the worst possible four seed matchup you could you could have for CU as a five seed. Looking at the other four seeds, you had um oh geez, Oklahoma State, which is still long and athletic, but but less so and depending you can't on the shoot. Player. Can't shoot. They can't shoot. You had, um, oh my God, I should know that Virginia, who had obvious problems and didn't even make uh, it. So Ohio would have been that match. Purdue, who got Purdue. smashed by North Texas. I would also say that we had a harder schedule than I would have rather see three seed Kansas. Like USC got an easier draw than us. Oregon got, oh no, Oregon had to beat Iowa. That was pretty tough. But. It's just matchup wise. That's probably the worst matchup we could have possibly gotten in the second round, like of any yeah. team. Yeah, and I guess I don't want to complain too much because in the end, you know, they didn't shoot that well, and there was a chance there for CU before the yeah, last. Yeah, Keyshawn Bartholomew carried them for a little while. Yeah, but in terms of, I mean, look, we've said it for four years, right? Um, the engine of CU basketball for the last four years has been McKinley, right? And Florida State as a team is is like tailor made to stop a guard like Wright. Uh, they had the strength to not let him back down. They had the speed to not let him blow by people. And they had the length to make sure that he couldn't uh, – there was no space for him to operate. So, he, I mean, McKinley Wright was rendered ineffective that game. Um, and in the end, I think that's what killed CU, as much as I liked Bartholomew's minutes. Yeah, well, he also, like, looked unconfident. He struggled. He got some fouls. He missed a lot of time. He – was committing a bunch of turnovers that he would never make in a game, like a like a ten second violation, just dribbling right. the ball, like that's just a mistake he never makes. And then passing up a wide open jumper to go up for a contested layup, 
It was, yeah. It was just like it was a snowball effect those last 10 minutes. And, and it just yes. got worse and worse. Yeah, Florida State turned those into dunks, and they just got away from us. Yeah, and Anthony Polite for Florida State had his best game of the year, uh, dropped 20 and, and shot a, a bunch of threes. But to your point, and I guess I don't really want to dance around it, and we don't have to focus on it because they're much better people to talk about it. But, you know, they also there's tragic news that everyone heard uh, an, uh, an hour before game time. Um, the players also heard that news, and it's it would be naive to think it didn't affect their mentality. I don't want to blame that. I don't want to blame the loss on, you know, the horrific events, but it certainly didn't help, and I think that can explain some of the out-of-sorts feelings we saw um, past Florida State suffocating defense. So I guess I, I don't know if I want to say too much past that because, I you know, they're much more sensitive mm-hmm people you should listen to but i absolutely think that did that did change the, the tone of that game um and and unfortunately i think c responded well until it just it just fell apart because there's no there's no room to operate on the offensive side yeah i also i'm hesitant to project like how they were feeling because i know fans it certainly affected my viewing experience of that game right um and like when things started snowballing, it really just felt like, oh shit, like it's just, this is just not going to be the day where anything goes right, I guess. It was, it's a weird way to put it, but. Yeah. And I mean, there were some comments McKinley made after the game that, that spoke a little bit about the mentality and, and how he, he said it was just always in the back of his mind, which it would be. It, it absolutely would be. And I, I'm mm-hmm. sorry they had to play in the backdrop of that, but that's obviously, you know, not the real tragedy. Um, in any case, I, I don't, I don't think for basketball reasons, that's the reason that CU lost the game. Um, Florida State was, like we all said, really long. Anthony Plight went off. Uh, Scotty Barnes eviscerated the zone whenever CU tried to switch to it to try to mitigate some of that length. Um, and I don't know. It was hard. There was no really bigs for, for CU to match up with Florida State's bigs because Dallas Walton wasn't mobile enough to guard their long guys and Dry Horn isn't long enough to guard their – long guys so it turned out that the long guys had had some free runs in the second half mm-hmm. we can also talk about jariah horn just going on a really bad shooting slump for four games <laughs> so i felt bad because his mom has been on twitter the past two weeks too just saying like yeah, she I got a lot, of, a lot of angry messages and we I, I don't know i don't think we said anything disparaging jariah just hoping that he could shoot himself out of the slump but it was yeah, obviously I would never... yeah I, I love Dryhorn. I yeah, I, I don't think you could ever talk poorly about someone who's played this well his whole season just going through a shooting slump. Like it happens. It sucks. Yeah. I mean he 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 single handedly saved CU against USC. Yeah. Twice, maybe. Uh was the only yeah. bright spot in the Washington road loss. Like he I mean, he was instant he was offense when we need him to be all year, and it just sucks that the one time he couldn't get the ball in the net is when we really needed him to get the ball in the net. And that's not, yeah. And it's not like, he was, it's not like he was playing. It's not like he was playing poorly and he was like being selfish or like not trying. He was just not hitting shots. And like a lot of those were in and outs. It just sucks. Like, <laughs> yeah. That, and it was, I mean, <laughs> look, there's a lot of emotional moments at the end of that game um, and really throughout the game. But, oh. but one that really hurt was when he got that final three, when it was obviously over to go through finally and you could see like Schwartz is really happy for him and everyone was so happy for him but he could you could see it in his face he was just like I you know it's too late 
And it was yeah. just brutal for that guy. That broke my heart. And then the worst thing was McKinley Wright coming off. Oh, God. saying, I, oh, I'm God. sorry to I don't want to, yeah. Uh, I, I so honestly sad. did tear up during that. I, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of other emotions that night, but like, I don't know. I, you can see it on Twitter. I, everyone on Buff's Twitter is saying the same thing, where it's just like, have, all at once, everyone just hugged him being like, don't apologize. How could you possibly apologize? Like, and people were... I know Twitter is a terrible place, but I was saying like no slander of McKinley Wright and a bunch of people just started slandering McKinley Wright and I blocked them all. (laughs) But it's like, why would you ever like, it's literally just basketball, especially on like a day like that. Like this doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. We're just playing basketball. Well, so I guess this is going to get into my, I guess my overall psyche or, or mentality of a fan, which might be too optimistic for some. And it, it certainly, um, I don't know. It's not as like clear eyed or sharp, sharp. I don't even know what I'm trying to say, but like I I could, I think I could be more objective in how I view things. But at the end of the day, I'm just, I just keep thinking like, why would I want to do that? It is so much more fun for me to cheer like positively than ever really care. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, there's a time a year, few years ago when I was getting upset after losses and I just can't keep thinking like, why would I ever let, a game affect me outside of those two hours. Like it's way more fun to me to, for me to scream like an idiot for a basketball game's length and then not care afterwards, no matter what, than than the other way around. I think the the CU team where they where they lost to Illinois in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that team. That's when I it broke me when I realized I cannot be putting my personal like health on the line, my <laughs> mental health on the line when CU is playing basketball. And I kind of learned to take a step back from that. And so like when I see like, like a lot of our peers, like people we've even had on the podcast, when they start talking negatively about CU in games, it just hurts a little bit because it's like, it's just, it's, yeah, we don't have I don't to know. take it that seriously. Yeah. So I think we found our tone. I think it's, I think it's more fun to be irreverent and kind of goofy and I don't know, and celebrate the good parts and then make fun of the bad parts and in, in a not <laughs> like critical way. Cause I, number one, I'm not good at being critical. Like there are much better yeah, yeah, I was about people to, to say, listen to. Neither of us understand basketball <laughs> at a deep enough level to be analytical here. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, in the end, the, that Florida state game was just a rock fight for 30 minutes and then, and then Florida state broke it out. You know, there's there the moment when Schwartz brought the team back from the dead, got us within one oh. in the second half. Um, and we just couldn't, and then they got a tip steel dunk on the other side and, I, and it, it just died at that point. Um, you know, in the game, second half, them. I thought Evan Batty just crushed inside on offense. I thought that was, I wanted to see more from that all year. I thought he did a great job making his moves, um, uh, making his presence felt. I, I wish there was, prim- I don't know, the, the perimeter shooting was concentrated this year into a few players. And if Horn is cold and Jabari Walker is cold, then it's just Deshaun Schwartz making shots. I mean, I think that if you look at the percentages, every like there was like six players who shot over like thirty five percent from three. Like everybody was pretty solid. It's just yeah, they didn't. They had a pretty balanced scoring effort. It's just everybody went cold in that game. I uh, it, everybody except Evan and Deshaun, I guess. You so, can't you can't win like that. Yeah, and, and I, this is once again not going to disparaging, but it's going to be interesting next year because I think no matter what, CU's going to have a point guard that's a threat from three point line more than it has. Since Askew Booker, I, if, yeah. I guess if you want to count Xavier Tom, you sure can. I don't um, see why you wouldn't count Derek White 
or Dominique Collier. Oh, that's whatever. true. Well, Derek White, yeah. And Dominique Collier was a sixth man. So, whatever. Starting point guard, okay. if that helps you. It's um, fine. In the last four years, CU hasn't had a shooting Well, yeah. And Mc- I mean, that's McKinley's one thing. Is, <laughs> is, yeah. McKinley's one thing is he can't shoot the three very well. So, it'll be interesting yeah. to see. Because I think no matter who it is, there's going to be one next year that can that will shoot more more at least and i think Keyshawn has shown if it is him that he can he can put those down so yeah i think Keyshawn's more of a natural scorer than a playmaker at this point and i'd rather see him in a sixth man role well, in the florida state game i thought he did a great job of picking his spots he was confident when he shot um his speed is something or not i mean his overall length and speed combo is something that's really exciting um but it, I don't know. There just wasn't enough offense to go around, which mm-hmm. <laughs> if you average the two tournament games that CU played, they probably had enough offense to beat both teams. <laughs> but that's not how it works. They, they blew it all on Georgetown, um, which was really fun. <laughs> God, that was fun to watch. But it wasn't – I don't know. It, everyone was cold, and, and it was not the way I wanted McKinley Wright's career to end, but it was still a really good year. Yeah, I we're watching Oregon State, and it's amazing that they've made it to the Elite Eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I know I I didn't make a big deal of the Pac-12 championship then, but like if this team did have won that game, like if they would have won that game and they had a banner to remember them by, that would have been nice. Is is what I I just don't know if there's anything tangible to remember this team by. Like we didn't get the free throw record. Mm-hmm. Missed by two free throws all time. Yeah, Luke O'Brien in garbage time missed both free throws. Unfortunately for him, not. I mean, so that's why we lost. I didn't know that. Yep. It was I same with Oral Roberts. Alex, Alex Strading missed like all his free throws. Oral year. Roberts also missed a free throw at the end that lost in the record this year. So, um, yeah. I, so I guess yeah. Let's just transition into overall legacy. I guess if you don't want to talk about the Georgetown game, I'm happy to talk about the Georgetown game for thirty. I, I did too. I was just like, it's a little like we've. I don't know. Right, what else yeah. is there other than like they just shot the hell out of the ball? Georgetown didn't defend the three point line and everything went for CU. I thought it was just, I, it was so fun to watch. I mean, I was just so completely yeah. nervous because I just thought, I mean, if CU loses, everyone's picking this 12 5 matchup. And if CU loses, I would have been very upset because a lot of boo birds would have come out from the fan base. No I chance. Think. No chance CU but, lost. Well, losing and, that game. So it was kind of tight. I don't know if you remember that for the first five minutes. It was like nine nine yeah. seven seven. It was then, fine. But then uh, I think McKinley Wright realized that uh, Wahab couldn't really move on pick and rolls out to where he needed to, <laughs> and uh, it was over. Uh, and then and then it was game over. Yeah, he had like fourteen assists. Yeah, and he made it just so easy. A beautiful game, and then oh. defensively, I mean, Parquet's oh. job on Javon, Javon Blair, who made Parquet's life easier by taking terrible shots. Was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was what we wanted. I, it's what I wanted to see. I mean, seven CU just ruining a team that we knew was worse than CU. That's what they should have been doing all year. So to your point, at the end of the day, Georgetown game was beautiful, but there's there's no banner for them to hang. There's no regular season title that they could have won if if only they kept you know their twelve point lead against Utah with five minutes left at home. If only they, they Washington. didn't let Marcus Sabonis shoot. 60% from three against at Washington. Sahonis, and he transferred, by the way, so we won't have to see his face again. And if and if they looked utterly disinterested in playing basketball against Cal for 40 minutes, uh, you know, if... You didn't even watch that game. That game sucked, though. Yeah, thank God. And <laughs> You saw the Pac-12 tournament game against Cal? 
Yes. That's basically what the first game looked like, <laughs> except the refs didn't screw CU. Except for the, the refs, yeah. So I, guess, I don't say the refs screw CU very often, but they actually really fucking screw yeah, CU. Yeah, we're not a hashtag refs podcast. Um, no, we, we try our hardest not to be. So let's just transition to the legacy of this team overall. It, all of that being said, and I want to stress this so much, it is still probably a top five season all time for CU. Definitely a top 10 season yeah. all time for CU easily. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it. Ted, if you're listening, I don't think that the pre-World <laughs> War II teams should be considered top of the league because that like wasn't even basketball. <laughs> right. I mean, the last time um, I think the CU went to the Sweet 16, there was 25 teams in the field, right? Yeah, they already they started in the Sweet 16. They didn't even have to play. They lost their first game of the year. That was with Cliff Mealy. Who's amazing. Um, yeah, and they, they that team won the Big 12 championship you should probably consider that the best team ever yeah um and like like this cu team had the highest seed they've ever had since seeding being in 1979 yeah they were better than any other team besides the dinwiddie team where dinwiddie got hurt halfway through the year yes you could argue last year's team was better if they had like played with effort but they didn't and they lost their last five games of the year. Okay, but we're also seeing, and I'm going to use this as an axe next time too. I hear I have an argument, maybe within my okay. friends, this is just me. But there, there are people I talk to that that also say, you know, see, you would have lost a tournament game. But I look at UCLA this year, who lost their last four straight, and then in the lead eight. I, I don't think you can project. See, you would have made a tournament last year. They didn't lose the same way. They didn't lose the same way. UCLA got real unlucky at least in two of those losses like that that usc taj Eadie just hitting a bullshit shot at the yeah. end and jules and bernard, jules bernard yeah. yeah like that versus cu like last year they literally they, like they stopped playing against washington state in that tournament game they gave up yeah regardless i don't think you can jump into i don't think it's it's worthwhile to say that cu had a hypothetical loss in a hypothetical tournament game that didn't happen that's, that's true i just think that this team was probably more successful than that because of their mental makeup was stronger partly because of the collapse last year yeah i think they all mentioned it too um to your point also i believe it's only their fifth ever season with single digit losses i don't know the exact numbers but i think they had the highest win percentage since 1969 yeah 23 and 9 is is an unbelievable record. Another top 21 ten season. in Ken Palm. Top, top ten, ten in Ken, Ken number Palm. Number nine. Yes. Yeah. Um, and we're gonna finish there because oh USC is number six now. That's yes. crazy. Yeah. And CU's beat them three times. So CU also has the it. most wins in the country USC. against the lead eight teams. I believe CU has six wins against the lead eight teams this year. No, five. Three against USC. One against, no. Did we beat UCLA once or twice? Once. Once. And Oregon State we only five. beat five. Yeah. Yeah. We five, beat Oregon five State wins. twice. Still, that's probably the record. That's probably the highest. So, you know, it, this, I don't know. Overall legacy, I wish they did have a banner to hang. They will have something to hang in the rafters after this year, which is McKinley hopefully the number 25. Number. Yeah. And I think that will be probably the legacy of this team. Um, and I guess it's not going to be fair, but it's also in the minds of only CU fans. It's also going to be a team and a class, 2017 class, that hopefully sets up the next bar of CU basketball because yeah, don't transition too soon because <laughs> do you think that recruiting class was the best ever in CU history? Um, I, I, well, I guess I don't know too much about like who came in with a guy like Cliff Mealy, if, if they all were at the same level, like year. 
So somebody um, proposed like Bertie Halderson and Cliff Mealy, but they didn't. They weren't in the same class. Right. In terms of overall impact, it'd be hard to find a group of five, six, I guess, if you include Lazar uh, players. No, uh, Dallas Walton does not count in this class, by the way. It would okay. be Ford. Deshaun, Bay, Batty, McKinley Wright. And then Lazar Nikolic. Right. It would be very hard to find a group. The only group would be Josh Scott's year that I think would come close in the modern era. Um uh geez uh, yeah with cliff mealy was a guy named ron smith and dudley mitchell um never heard of him so i'm sorry if you're listening ron smith and dudley uh they did okay anyways i you know overall they brought to you back to the NCAA tournament would have been twice ended up being once first time since before Derek white's time 2016 which was Josh Scott's final opus as well. They um, contributed what? Probably like 80, 70% of the team's points. Probably that more than that in assists, probably more than that. And eh, probably a little bit less than that in rebounds. So t- total statistic wise, they dominated their four years. Um, I believe McKinley Wright has a 12 and six record against the LA schools, which is something that I personally hold very dear to my heart. Um, they beat Arizona when they were number ASU when they were number four team in the country in Boulder as a freshman. They beat Arizona when they were ranked, I think, three years in Boulder. Uh, I don't know. They absolutely had a lasting impact, and especially if Wright gets his number retired, that's going to be easily the best best class ever. Yeah, I think so. I think that when you have um, two multi-time all-conference players one of whom is an all-time great, and then two other players who are just, like, one of the best in the conference at their position, and then another guy who's just a great culture player. That's a that's a really, like, just a fantastic class. Right. It's, I don't, it's I don't be, think they, yeah. they can do any better. It would be a weird mix because Tyler Bay left early and Evan Batty's staying late, but, uh, you know... <laughs> Evan Batty's senior day, I hope they bring back McKinley and uh, maybe not Tyler. I I don't think Tyler's graduated yet. And Deshaun, just to get them all out at the same time. Um, Um, Tad said that they're going to find a way to bring in the family and honor every player. Okay, good. They'll find a way to have a banquet at the very least. Okay, good. But McKinley, right, you know he's going to be like brought on to the sitting court side (laughs) and get his standing ovation. He's going to get those cheers. I would hope he gets the Chauncey treatment because in college, I would say he had a more impactful career. Uh, I, I mean, those are the two guys now, right? I think, right. Yeah. I think those are the two guys you look, you look at, which is crazy. And so like, I don't know, legacy. Yeah. They've cemented that. I wish they did have a banger banner to hang, but I also don't think Taz going to be too upset at like the $8 million he's raking in because Oregon state is just beating everyone. So I don't know. Yeah, um, I've been really impressed with the Pac-12 in the tournament. CU was the first team to lose, and then Oregon was the second team, and that was because they were playing against USC. That's crazy. Yeah. And we have now USC, UCLA, Oregon State, and the Elite Eight. I hope USC gets smashed by Gonzaga. I would love to see them lose by 40 points. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah, we are not a pure conference pride podcast. No, 
No, well, you can. We can claim Gonzaga as Pac-12. Yes. And I also am rooting for UCLA. I really, I really do love this UCLA team. Yeah, me too. We've talked plenty about this. Like Jaime yeah. Jaquez playing most outstanding player on their team right now. So good. So yeah, I I, I do want to compartmentalize my feelings on this because I do think that there's okay. a lot of there's a lot of conference pride right now. I'm seeing a lot of back to pack, which makes sense. But to me, there's only two things that's going through my mind. Number one, I want USC to lose. I'm so glad Oregon lost. I, the teams I still want to lose, I still want them to lose. Like that, that's not yeah. negotiable. Second, yeah. I don't know if it's conference pride as more as vindication. That's what I'm feeling. It's vindication, I guess. Mm-hmm. Because and everybody I, just shit on the Pac-12 yes. all season. Like, oh, yeah, CU's good record. They, they're beating the Pac-12 teams, but they also lost a really bad Pac-12 teams. We don't know if they're any good. And now I get to look like, dude, we beat some really, really good. Like, we beat six Elite Eight teams or whatever it is, Elite Eight teams. Like, mm-hmm. that was a really, really good year. And, and Yeah, I remember it, Yeah, I remember when Oregon made the Final Four and then Xavier made the Elite Eight. And we we're like, yeah, we beat both of these teams. Yes. And it's That's, like, this is better. Yeah. <laughs> because we're also making or raking in a bunch of money. I mean, this is CU, the, the conference's record for revenue in terms of units. And um, that's nice, but in a way, it's also good. You can you can see the rising tide that's going to happen in terms of recruiting prestige. So mainly just looking at a CU-focused lens, in the future, it'll be harder, not that I have confirmation this is happening, but it'll be harder for teams to negative recruit against the Pac-12 as like a nobody team that nobody watches, um, especially if this TV rights deal that Larry Scott has gone goes through in any good way. Um, I don't know. It's just the free press that CU is getting by way of being as part of this conference is great right now. I mean, everyone's mm-hmm. talking about it everywhere because it's the only story left. And as much as I hate USC, it's good for the Pac-12 for them to be like a national player on a basketball level. And we need UCLA back as a basketball powerhouse. We also, Arizona was very good. They would have been good in the tournament too. Yeah. And they definitely would have made it. They probably I mean, would have been like an eight seed. Honestly, if, if Stanford had any sort of help this year, they totally would have made it as well. They played health five. Or help? Health. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. They played five games with the full roster. Five games. That's it. And they played, what, four at home? That's it. So, I don't know. Really good year. Pac-12 continues to grow, which is good for CU. But also, I'm not, like, the guy who's like, yeah, go Pac-12. I don't know. I hope USC gets blown the hell out by Gonzaga. I'm so glad yeah. that Oregon got blown the hell out by USC. And uh, I don't know. I actually kind of like Oregon State and UCLA, so I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I've am i always been an Oregon State fan on the side. I just they, – they're just never good, so it doesn't come up. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, I am always going to be rooting for UCLA. I think they're great to have basketball. Like, that's the only – I'm going to say that Arizona is not a blue blood, even though they are, but UCLA – No, they aren't. Is, what are you talking about? They have oh, one championship. Okay okay. okay, okay. So UCLA is the true blue blood. Yes, they are this, the West Coast conference. basketball banner carrier. Yeah, that we, is we need them to be good. And they're gorgeous when they do it. They have really cool players. I like the culture they have. They're basically like a Tad Boyle team, but better. It's great. I mean, Mick so I guess here's the overarching thing too, is I think this is going to help just ram, like ripple-wise, ripple effect-wise. I think all these coaches, number one, have way more respect than they did prior which mm-hmm. in turn means that when Tad Boyle beats Andy Enfield three times next year, like he did this year, Tad Boyle is going to get a lot more credit than he did. And Andy this Enfield year. won't be having 
Isaiah Mobley on his team or Evan, Evan Mobley on his team I mean, or maybe even not Eric Mobley on staff anymore. Yeah. Or Edie. I think Edie might, I mean, so in general, it's going to be nice for C to get the ripple effect of, of the prestige ad. And uh, I, I mean, I think Wayne Tinkle sticking around. I don't know what opening he would be there for uh, be around for Oregon, Oregon state's coach. Mick Cronin obviously has paid very well. And this is a destin like the destination job. So I can't imagine he would be moving on somewhere. Um, I don't know. Utah just got better. Craig Smith is a great hire. I, I saw he was getting paid, I believe, $4 million a year. Um, and this is your annual reminder. So you fans, that Tab Boyle is now the ninth best paid coach in the conference, despite delivering at least fifth best results every year. So there's your value. He's getting paid half as much as Craig Smith. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah, he is such a good value in terms of salary. Um, what else we got? We got transfers. Well, so yeah. So now let's go into the future of the team. Cause I think we've, we've hit on everything else. I, I don't know. I looking back, I wish we did have a little bit more of a just Georgetown recap. Cause it's kind of hard to think about the Georgetown game as a complete positive now, but whatever. I mean, yeah. we're moving on. We, so, that's cause we got lazy and we didn't do anything between those two games. <laughs> there was just a lot going on. There's a lot going on. But next year, moving forward, CU's team is going to be obviously completely different. Um, you know, we're I think CU's losing four starters and at least five role players. Um, so right now, here's what we have confirmed. McKinley Wright is playing professional basketball next year. He's not coming back, and he's not going to another college. Uh, Jariah Horn, we don't know anything about. I think he could still easily play, pay, get paid professionally, and I don't know why he would delay that. How, how much would he get paid enough to buy home field apparel? <laughs> we forgot Depends to do that. on how much he wants. <laughs> Depends on how much he wants, Sam. How much did you order the other day? Oh, yeah. So I looked I looked at my cart. It was obscene um, because I basically – this is the beautiful thing about home field apparel. Our chosen uh, curator of the best college apparel in, in, in the world, frankly um, – I'm looking for colleges I'm tangentially related to on the site because I know I want to buy that stuff. And I don't, I want, I still kind of want an excuse in my head. So I was like, Oh, I got, I have family that is from Evansville, Illinois. Let me just look at university of Evansville stuff. Do I actually care about the university of Evansville? No. Do I care about the sweaters? Absolutely. Um, in the end I, I had, you know, the, the cart total Sam was too much, but it was made slightly better with our promo code. Yep, that would be promo code Ralphie, all caps. I am still waiting. Homefield may have lost our stuff in the mail, so I'm still <laughs> waiting to get my stuff. <laughs> they, they won't do that to you because if you pay for it, they they they'll send you shipping information, I, and you'll yeah. be, you'll you'll know it's coming. They're sending us free stuff. It's okay, not a big deal. <laughs> Big deal to Jack, but not a big deal to me. Well, I can't confirm. Uh, my my cohabitor got his um, got his pet order last week, and it is just amazing. Wow, um, he got a yellow CU shirt. He they have a great CU selection. I believe they have at least eight items, eight items, seven items, enough, plenty, plenty enough. Nine, nine. Items. And uh, he got the yellow CU shirt. I'm not from that era of CU fandom. I'm not a huge fan of the yellow, but uh, it is a great design. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, 
super pumped that they they released the CU collection. Everyone go get yours right now. Yeah, I like you said that you have tangential connections to universities. I don't. I'm just CU through and through. My mom went to CU. My grandparents didn't go to school. Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have University of Oklahoma at Guam stuff <laughs> on the website. So I'm just going Yet. looking at the CU stuff, and it's great. I'm still going to order probably $200 worth of stuff using promo code Ralphie to get of 50% course. off. But it's good stuff. Um, so let's see. We had Jariah Horn leaving. <laughs> we, well, Jariah Horn may be leaving. No, no. He's I've the one. Yeah. With, he's the question mark. We don't know. We know Deshaun, Deshaun Schwartz entered the transfer portal. Dallas Walton entered the transfer portal. McKinley yes. Wright is going to play professionally. Yes. Alex Strading entered the transfer portal. Yes. Those guys, all four of those guys are gone, gone. Isaac Jessup also left, but walk on. I mean, he's a walk on. Um, still pissed that we didn't get Justinian, but that's okay. So the two seniors that we don't know about are Maddox Daniels, who I would oh, assume. Oh, fuck, I forgot. About <laughs> <Maddox>. <laughs> I'm kind of wondering if that's what happened at Coors, too, when Tabo uh, walks in. He's like, oh, yep. Oh, man. Um, no, I think. I, I was writing heartfelt messages about every senior senior. I literally couldn't think of. I, I like, think he improved a lot this year. I, I he think did he great. did too. I just didn't have any lasting memories. Like I don't remember any big shots he hit, any clutch plays he right. made. I just remember he was kind of bad when we needed him to be good <laughs> and was just kind of good when everybody else was good. Yeah. Well, maybe. I but know, his so, defense was good. He, yeah. he played hard. Yeah. He grew. Yeah. He grew into that role. I would assume, you know, I'm I'm looking at this and reading the tea leaves. This is all coming out a week after Tab Boyle has his end of year meetings with players, and generally over his ten years, that's when movement happens because he's pretty frank with what he expects their playing time or their role to be the next year. Uh, and as such, if if they want to play a different role than what he said, they'll generally explore their options. So. Um, you know, there have been reports linking Deshaun Schwartz to George Mason, uh, where King Minglish, former CU assistant, is is taking over as a head coach. I think that'd be a perfect landing spot. I think he's going to be able to, to take a lot more shots in, in that spot um, and really be like a, a star or a featured player on that team. So that'd be cool. I, I, and, yeah, I would root for George Mason if, if he went there. Um, is there any news on the other rumor to George Mason? Well, yeah, so it's been out there. I mean, there have been people saying uh, Nate Tomlinson is joining Kim English's staff at George Mason. Nate Tomlinson, CU legend. There have been people saying that he's going to be an assistant coach, which is a step up. So I just want to put this out there to any potential guests. Come to our podcast. A week and a half later, you (laughs) will get a giant promotion. It will happen. Um, Which is also really cool for Nate and also, I think, really good for Tad that part of his quote coaching tree, not that he could take credit for King English necessarily is a head coach already at a pretty good school in the A-10. And then a part of his coaching tree that he can't take credit for. Nate Tomlinson is already building his resume. Um, two good things for CU long-term and it sucks to lose Nate if he does go, but obviously it's a huge step up. He should go. Yeah. If he gets that job. And I assume that if he gets that job, he's going to come back to CU at some point. Well, what I would assume is immediately see Tad's going to schedule George Mason is what I would guess. Please, please. Yeah. That'd so, be so funny to see T- Nate Tomlinson talking shit to Ted. Because <laughs> he yeah, would. Just watch them fight at half court <laughs> like they always wanted to. Yeah. Uh, 
in the end, I think CU's just going to get – Tad Boyle's been pretty kind of hinting at this year that this is the last one for seniors regardless, even if they have another year coming back. I think mm-hmm. Jariah changed his mind in terms of he only had one year with Jariah Horn, and Jariah Horn is such an asset that he would be fine with another year. But I really think past that, he's fine just playing it as is and treating the roster like it was a normal year. Yeah, I kind of like that natural stopping point. Like, it doesn't feel forced. It feels like we've had our run, mm-hmm. and this is where we capped out as, and we're not going to force anything beyond that. Because when you see, like, 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 like pushing beyond that bounds can tend to have some disappointing seasons. Um, shout out to Arizona State this year. But... <laughs> shout out to Nate Reavers at Wisconsin, entering the transfer portal for his, like, eighth year of college after dropping yeah. his scoring average the past few years. But whatever. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, yeah, there's still some question marks on next year's roster. We, I think we have like 11 or 12 scholarships that have accounted for. for. And if Jariah comes back, that doesn't count because he's a senior. No, he would be, well, actually, I don't know. I don't think it doesn't count. Seniors don't count. Okay, well. I have the list right now. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 11. Yeah. Okay. And that's with it. None of those guys have left the ones I have. Yeah. So, yeah. And so another thing to, to look at is for instance, not that his role would be any different, but like this is Keyshawn's third year in the program, Bartholomew. And it's kind of, I think Taz also looking at it as a way to the younger guys, where it's kind of unfair to tell Nick Clifford, like this year kind of act as a red shirt year. You're not going to play much next year is a bigger role. Which is which is true, and then if he brings back Schwartz and Maddox and you know other wing guys, it's it's less true now. So I think he's just playing it like he would, because he's still trying to build up the program at Colorado, and this helps, I think, at least if if you keep the normal schedule going. Um, but there's still two spots that he's trying to fill. Yeah. So, do you want to go through the roster? Um. Yes. Okay. So at guards. We for sure have, like, of the two guard spots, we know Eli Parquet is starting. Mm-hmm. That's all we know. <laughs> Ke- Keyshawn Bartholomew is going to play a lot. Yep. And then after that, we have, we're going to have Neek Clifford, Javon Ruffin, Julian Hammonds, all competing for playing time. We're not counting Luke O'Brien as guard? No, because he's six foot eight. Okay. He, and then a small forward, it looks like we're going to have Quincy Allen. Luke mm-hmm. O'Brien, Quincy Allen's a freshman next year. Luke O'Brien, and, and then Ruffin. yeah, and then we we'd have Tristan De Silva, I guess playing small forward because I guess that's where the team sees him playing, even though he's a power forward. Right. I don't know who would start out of those three. If that's our final roster, a lot of and then at, like yeah, and then at, in the front court, it's pretty set. That Evan Batty, Jabari Walker, and Lawson Levering, they're going to just get all the playing time there. And then if Jariah Horn comes back, it's just going to be those four. With mm-hmm. Tristan playing some some minutes at the four, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think Tristan will play, actually play a lot at the four. So, yeah, so our, our projected starters then would be Evan Batty and Eli Parquet locked in. Locked in. Jabari locked in. I'm I'm willing to say Jabari Walker's locked in. Jabari Walker's locked in. I feel I de- it depends on what Lawson Lovering does. No, I think Evan Batty's a center next year, regardless. And okay. I think maybe you don't think you can, Tad would want rim protection and then Jabari I, I, off the bench. I think Jabari brings rim protection. Okay. 
I, he's one of the longest players on the okay. team. Yeah, he fouls the shit out of people. Well, yeah, freshman Jabari does. <laughs> so, all right, we'll see think, how he develops. I guess if Jariah up, comes but... back, I would assume that Jariah. You can't have Jariah and Evan playing thirty minutes together, though. That's that's too short. Short. And I think it's too short. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that you would start them and then stagger them. Yes. So yeah, I. I'm but, not, but but if Jariah is not coming back, let's just assume he's not for now. Yeah. I think Evan Batty and Eli Parquet are our guaranteed starters. Jabari okay. Walker is probable. Keyshawn mm-hmm. would be default right now because we don't have a transfer guard yet. Yeah. Yet. Yet. And then I have no idea who at small forward between Quincy I mean, Allen, Luke O'Brien, and Tristan De Silva. You say you have no idea. I think we all do have an idea. Tab Boyle loves Tristan De Silva already. He's going to fall in love with Tristan De Silva as he bulks <laughs> up. 100% Tristan De Silva is playing at least 25 minutes next year, whether it's at as a starter or, or whenever he's pissed at someone, he pulls Tristan off the bench immediately. Um, can, should we expect anything tangible from Quincy Allen first year? Uh, yeah, I mean he's he's pretty ready now. He's a little skinny, but for what he's asked to do, I think he absolutely. I'm not expecting 15 points a game or anything, but mm-hmm. uh, he's a true three level scorer, and that's something that would be super nice at the small forward position. I think Schwartz proved he was that near the end. I would love someone who finishes a little bit more consistently. Um, I don't know if that's Allen right away, but Allen's stroke is also just delightful. Um, so. Someone who can add seven or eight, I think, is is high end of reasonable for Quincy Allen. Yeah, so let's see. Deshaun averaged like 13 minutes a game as a freshman. He was also like a top 100 recruit, as Quincy Allen is. Really good shooter, three-level scorer. Um, probably, like, that could be reasonable. He'll probably play a little bit more. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to push back on that, though, because Deshaun was a top 80 Colorado recruit coming from 3A, and Quincy Allen's a, a top 80. DC recruit coming from like the hardest basketball league in DC. So two yeah. different levels to jump from. Um, yeah. Until George Mason flips him. Why would you say that? He's already <laughs> signed. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Um, yes, he is. So I don't know. I think Tristan will probably start there, but he's also a little uh, slow of foot compared to O'Brien and Allen. Um, I really think they look at O'Brien as a tall guard honestly too yeah i i just think that like a the two three has such little separation that it doesn't really matter right now like i, I don't really care what yeah position he has technically i mean i think you can slot in lovering for at least 15 minutes a game already as a freshman which is exciting to think about um, at least 15 minutes yeah he's gonna be their best room protector well I guess I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but just looking at the the only big that compares in terms of on paper ranking is Josh Scott. And Josh Scott as a freshman was immediately like the second best player on the team. Like he was 10 and five, I think right away as a, as a freshman playing like 25 minutes a game. So. Mm-hmm. And Lovering will be like shot blocking, three point shooting. He's different than Scott. Every, yes. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to do that much off the dribble, but he can also, he's also much more uh, natural passer than Scott, which really helps with the flow of the offense. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's really exciting to think about, but we, it's, it's, he's still a seven foot freshman. So it's kind of hard to project those too much. Yeah. Um, do we, 
know much about Luke O'Brien. Like, what what do you think his ceiling would be coming in? Like, do you think he can gain a lot of minutes? Because I like what I see from him. Yeah, I mean, he's, he was built as a shooter coming out of high school despite having terrible percentages. But part of that's just because he was Columbine's entire offense. So, you know, he's shooting double-teamed all the time anyways. Uh, we haven't seen him do much this year. I think he hit one three in garbage time. But his his frame looks really good. I mean, I think his, like, his starting point, his blocks, looks better than, than Clifford does at this point in terms of what he's ready to do. Um, willing rebounder can mix it up. I think he likes to slash a little bit too. You know, I'm not expecting much of anything from Luke O'Brien offensively. The guy I think it's going to surprise some people, and we've seen a little bit of flashes. I, I don't know. I think Eli Parquet is going to feel more comfortable taking his shots next year. Um, oh, sure, sure. Yeah, I, I don't even know where I'm going with this depth chart breakdown. Of just like trying to gather who's going to contribute, okay. who's going to be still developing. I, I, as currently constructed. Who you think Parquet is going to take a larger chunk of the offense than previously? Well, as currently constructed, yes. I, and even if – I guess we'll stop being around the bush in a, in a little bit. But even if they do bring in a transfer guard, I still think that Eli Parquet is going to feel much more comfortable in his offensive role. I think he knows what he's doing on defense now. Um, but I also think we saw a little bit of flashes of his, his pull-up game. I think he's really good at drawing fouls, actually, when he drives. Something that's He's always helpful. Athletic. He can get up there. Yeah, and he. I mean, we've seen him dunk a few times uh, on some big on some lobs. I mean, look at the that Georgetown play when McKinley Wright they ran that back screen action. McKinley Wright lays with that pass oh, into Parquet. Gorgeous. Yeah, I think that's gorgeous. something we can expect from Parquet more often next year. Um, uh, KJ McDaniel's with a jumper. <laughs> he is not KJ McDaniel's. KJ McDaniel's is like a, a top ten athlete. I know. <laughs> I love KJ McDaniel so much. Uh, um, I so, mean, I, I was guessing Jabari Walker would just take on a very large. He will be the main offense. He will be the main hundred percent. He's proven he's going. Like, if he can stay on the floor, he's proven to be an efficient and effective scorer. So, I, I think it, it runs through him next year. I'm now. I'm going to bring it up. The thing that we know Taz is okay. going to do. The thing that we know that is going to happen is he's looking for a starting point guard. Taz is looking actively for a transfer starting point guard. Um, oh. There are a few options here. You know, there's there's not a transfer out of prep. They're looking at Ty Ty Washington, who's a top 35 ish player who decommitted from Creighton after their head coach made some terribly insensitive comments. Um, he would be a plug-and-play starter. I don't think CU is a legit option. I think he's he's from Phoenix. I think he's going to go to Arizona, who's going after him hard. Uh, but that would be best-case scenario because then you get at least, I don't know, a year if he's really, really good or two if he's a really good college player. So that'd be great. Um, another option that's come out recently that got an official offer from CU is Shahada Wells from UT Arlington, and that's a transfer. Um he would be a different type of point guard coming in. He averaged 17 and four and four, I think last year he shot 40% from three. So definitely a better shooter at point guard than we used to. And he has ridiculously long arms, super athletic. Um, if you want to look up some more about him, anyone listening still, uh, he played really well against Oklahoma state when he was against Cade Cunningham dropped, I think 21. And then against Arkansas, he also played great at UT Arlington. So Ooh. he's, He's a really exciting option. Right now, CU's battling Texas Tech, Texas A&M, and TCU. So all Texas programs and then CU. 
Um, he's a Texas kid. Chris Beard's job security is going to help here. If if Chris Beard moves to Texas, that's going to help CU. But A and M just entered the field, and I think they're going to be. It's going to be tough to beat A and M. Um. So those are the only two leads so far. There are other players they're looking at, uh, some other guards, but they're all lead guards, and I I wouldn't say that there's, there's been no public offers for anyone else. Mm-hmm. I I would be happy with a like a guard to come in and start and manage the offense and have Keyshawn come off the bench in a in a scoring role just to develop his game a little bit there still. Um, I know that whoever we get, we're not going to lean on him for 35 minutes a game like no. we did McKinley Wright. No. Um, like if we get someone in playing 20 minutes, 28 minutes a game, Keyshawn's playing the other 12 at point guard plus some combo, like two guard action, I think that'd be good development for him while keeping the team pretty solid. I think it could be a win-win, especially because I don't necessarily trust the other guards right now. Um, like Julian Hammond and Javon Ruffin, I would like to see first before – um, knowing what they're going to do. Neither of them are ready for big minutes right now. Yeah, um, okay. So the other thing, now that we're looking at the lineups, I'm thinking that might happen, depending on who they bring in, is they might switch to a smaller transfer point guard, whoever that is, Eli, or Keisha Bartholomew at the two, and then Eli Parquet at the three. Because Parquet can easily guard threes if he needs to. Oh, that's um, true. Yeah. And then if you add in Jabari and Evan, that's a pretty fun starting lineup that gives you some length with Keyshawn and Parquet plus Jabari. Uh, and if they get Jihadi Wells, he has like a six-six wingspan as a six-foot player, so also there. Uh, and really, it, it allows Evan to also play a little bit of uh, center of gravity on offense with a lot of pretty cerebral ball cutters around him, which I think would be really fun. Yeah, I think if you had a traditional point guard and then De Silva at small forward. I think it would be still okay to have Keyshawn off the bench. I think like like whoever you're starting at small forward doesn't have to stay there for 30 minutes a game. He can still play 15 minutes a game. You just start with more defensive length and size. And I think that's what Tad Park will probably lean towards. Yeah, and he's. I mean, he still wants to get guard bodies in. Like that's that's his main thing. So. Yeah. We have, you know, we know we have two scholarships to play with. Tad, I think smartly, even though this the incoming high school class is the 18th best in the country, I think 11th and two four seven. Yep. Um, he smartly banked too because this year I think there's already a thousand players in the transfer portal. Um, this is the year to wait until the end of the tournament to see which starters are ready to move on because every every senior has another year of eligibility. Um. And I think as much as this Shahade Wells or, or Ty Ty Washington would be a great fit, there's also – I think he's still waiting even further for that second scholarship to see who comes out of a – you know, maybe a Houston or a um, – uh, uh, not Gonzaga. No one's going to come out. Ethan Thompson. Yeah. Ethan Thompson, for, for some reason, not going to go make money <laughs> in the NBA. Uh, uh, I don't think he's going to make the NBA, but that's okay. Either way, I think there's still room to find a proven starter at the very end of the cycle, and I think that's what Tab Boyle's going to do, either if it's on the wing. I, I think mainly he wants some class balance. As far as I know, Eli Parquet and Evan Batty are the only slated seniors next year. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. I mean, so, and even then, they, they'll get an extra year of eligibility if they want it. 
Uh, that's true. I guess I didn't realize about that either. That's insane. This the, Imagine Evan yeah. Batty, twenty-five years old, bullying kids on the block. <laughs> exactly. Like BYU does. He doesn't even need Tad to coach. He just knows. He doesn't even look at Tad. He's point. He brings the ball up. He calls the plays, and he uh, Evan Batty just <laughs> just runs the timeouts at that point. He would and be every year incredible. his touch. Every every t- year his touch gets a little bit worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but then he starts adding a three-point shot. Oh, and then the pack is um, screwed. So final things, I think we're we're with one of those roster spots. We're going for a point guard, and then the last roster spot was what? I, he's banking it for best player available. I think he's in a good spot. Okay, can, as long as he shores up the guard position with one proven ball handler, we can take okay. a BPA, or we might be able to bank it because. Uh, this happened today. CU's recruiting momentum has continued to go. Like this 11th ranked class is now butchered by this 2022 class, which has a top 80 center who pledged today to go to CU from North Dakota. So yeah, and it, not to be like a you know the big man is is everything in college basketball because it isn't anymore. But if you can if you can get a back to back top 60 center in the Pac 12, you're gonna be able to bully a lot of people. What's his name? Hurl Joe Hurlbert. Joe Hurlbert. And they both can Great. shoot, which is the crazy part. <laughs> Great name. <laughs> I, I know. So I, I was just talking to a friend about this. I cannot wait in three years when CU has two farm boys who can just jack up threes <laughs> and they're both over 6'10 from Wyoming and North Dakota. Uh, Austin Dufault would be proud. He talked to Austin Dufault as part of the recruiting process. Oh, great. Another, another way that the, the tag community continues to grow and, and, and benefits CU. See, yeah, McKinley Wright's going to get his his roses. Yeah. He's going to show up to so many games and just get a standing ovation. Well, I guess this will be my final point. Uh, one of the first guys to congratulate him on Twitter was fellow D1 Minnesota AAU program alumni, McKinley Wright. So, Who, Joe Hurlbert? Yeah, Joe Hurlbert played for a D1 oh, AAU team in Minnesota. Yeah. McKinley said that the connection stays, the Minnesota-Colorado connection stays. Good, good. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm done with this. Yeah, we'll have I'm, more. We'll have more so, information. Yeah. Overall programming notes, spring football. We also know started today. We are aware. Don't worry. We want to give basketball. I'm not to aware. Uh, and I'm going to start talking about football as much as I can. We're going to bring in some guests now that we're in the long, dark off season to, to bring the basketball preview a little more officially talk about football a little more officially. Um, we're excited. I don't know. This, this, this is a long, dark season until September, but uh, we'll hopefully try to make it fun, add some games uh, along the way. And Ooh, that, that was my last game. That was my last game I'll watch for a very long time with you. Yeah, it was. What a terrible uh, way. Yeah. What a terrible way. Yeah, cov- that was the last. Uh, I mean, I didn't cover that game. So actually the Georgetown game was probably the last game I'll ever cover for this website. Okay, what a great way to go. All right, well, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, it works out. Yeah, see you, Jack. See you. Buffs! Buffs! Buffs!